0: Hey, wait, can we hang on? Hang on just a second. Sorry. Hey, you guys don't ever hear my voice. My name's Brian. I'm the the nerd that puts the epic narrative together. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm interrupting to let you guys know about a contest that we're running uh, for a new logo for the epic narrative. If you're a fan of the epic narrative and you happen to be good at graphic design or digital art and you'd like to take a crack at designing a new logo for us, we would love that. We're going to be running a contest starting today, the day this episode drops, Monday, March 7th, 2022, through Sunday, April 10th, 2022. You can submit any art designs that you have for a new logo for The Epic Narrative to thebobswitzer at gmail.com. And if we think it represents The Epic Narrative well and we fall in love with it, uh, you will win a $50 Apple Pay credit that we will send over to you, or an equivalent if you don't have an Apple product. And it will become the new logo for us. And we will announce the winner a couple weeks after submissions close. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Back to The Epic Narrative. Hey everybody. I'm Anna McEwan. And now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. All right, once again, thanks so much for coming or at least I guess I don't know. I don't know what it takes. you know, some of you are just riding along. some of you are walking along, mowing the lawn. anyways, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you listen. It's encouraging to hear from you. I appreciate a lot of uh, a lot of you that write and just tell us, "Hey, Bob, appreciate your perspective. You make me think." Uh, one guy, I had somebody write and say, "You've literally changed my theology." I I hope that means that's <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> I hope the guy didn't get kicked out of church or anything. Although, I guess it might not be a bad thing either. Anyways, on with the story. I kind of left off in a, in a negative spot, right? This is the, we left with a man and woman telling God, it's your fault that there's evil in the world. And because it's your fault, we're not responsible for the evil in the world. We're not responsible for the choices we made. And and actually, I do believe we are responsible For the evil in the world we're responsible because we haven't stepped into the fullness of who we were created from so we're going to kind of continue that that's what that's what my emphasis early on in the in these podcasts was we have to go back to our original identity it's the it is the way to in essence save the world and I don't mean to freak people out about, no, Jesus is the savior of the world, yes. And he came from the beginning. He said so. From before the foundations of the earth were laid, I was there. So, yes, we need to go back. All right, so we're, we're, we're gonna pick up in verse 14 of Genesis chapter three. So just before this, right, verse 13, Lord God says to the woman, what have you done? She says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So I kind of picture Jesus, God, Holy Spirit standing there. And again, I believe he's very close to the two of them. I I picture at this point, uh, he's kind of leaning against the tree that they're hiding behind. Uh, he might even have, like, uh, you know, his head back. He's just, like, basically saying, oh, guys, please come back. Like, please, please, please restore it. I, I'm, I am not mad. So he's like, all right, I'll take care of the serpent. So he goes to the serpent. Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock, all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you uh, will strike his heel. Now I know that these verses are packed, packed with opportunity for people to preach on, and and I've heard so many about the enemy, about the serpent, and 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 uh, the woman, and the offspring, and the crushing of the head, and the striking of the heel, and there's some really great artistry about it, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to take any of that away. I just want to break it down from from a a story perspective, right? So God speaks to the serpent. Because you've done this, cursed are you among all the livestock, wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat uh, the dust all the rest of your life. So God when God speaks to the serpent I would imagine Adam and Eve are are standing there sitting there again separated I don't think that they're in each other's arms because I think Eve is for the first time in her life mad at her husband thinking what did you just do and why did you why did you reject me But here they hear God speak to the serpent and I think both man and woman Think this is going good. <laughs> All right. We we blamed Adam Adam. Man's like, I I blamed woman and the serpent. Woman blamed the serpent. Serpent's getting in trouble. Yes, the plan worked. We were right. We are victims. This isn't our fault. He might be looking at her, you know, giving her the old thumbs up like or a wink, like, see, it worked i blamed you and the serpent and you blame the serpent and the two of us are now in the clear he's gonna get in trouble we don't have to take responsibility that doesn't really sing really well actually that's not good okay i think while while god's talking to the serpent i have a feeling uh they were thinking um god you know he's not talking to us like we're out we're 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 good all is good now where is the serpent at this point well i don't think god's just like shouting into the crowd at this point i think the serpent has been summoned <laughs> the lord god says to the serpent i think he uh he made a call hey serpent I need to see you. So, if we know that the enemy, whether you believe the, you know, uh, Lucifer uh, possessed the serpent, which, which is, I do understand those who believe that. Like, I'm not gonna debate that. Or you believe that it is an artistic view of, you know, we needed a representation, like we had a fruit. It's not actually an apple, but you know we had something on a tree, uh, and we needed a we needed a a, a foil. We needed a, a bad guy, and so we made it the you know artistically made it the snake. Uh, we needed to introduce evil into creation, and and when you believe in evolution, you have to do that, right? You have, you need something, so the snake becomes the the foil, the the bad guy. That's that's fine. That's fine. Or if I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, you believe that Lucifer lost his position in heaven and was demoted to chief of all animals, which again I've listened and read, and that is also strongly supported. And I think, personally, I I, I kind of liked it. I liked it better than a 24-hour day creation because it just it just makes God really really big. I used to think 24 hours made God big. And now this like makes him even bigger. So I I if nothing else, I walked away going, well, maybe there's more than one option and I like I like more than one option. So hey I believe he summons the serpent. <clears throat> who shows up on call which speaks to God's God's authority. Lucifer showed up. the se- the, the serpent shows up. And he looks at him and he says, hey, so uh, you've done this. <laughs> this part this part is interesting because unlike man mm-hmm. and woman who rep- represent the image of God, right? They are the reflection of heaven where God asks them questions and maintain, maintain a relationship with them. Like he keeps inviting them into, into relationship with them and to restore relationship with them. The serpent, he doesn't do that. Because as much as the <clears throat> the other creation is amazing and and ref, you know uh, uh, draws your attention to the Creator, it is not in the image of the Creator. there's no there's no need for relational connection. God doesn't need to ask or even want to ask the serpent questions because that's not the type of relationship he has with that part of creation. He just says, because you have done this, you are responsible for beguiling. You are responsible for deceiving. You are responsible for being shrewd and really cunning. I'm going to move you out of your position of being chief. I'm demoting you to the ground. So physically, I'm going to take this uh, this animal, this serpent, which evidently Moved in an upright position. I kind of picture them. I, I know this is probably not going to relate to everybody, but there's a uh, there's a there's a Star Wars. Uh, I I I, uh, I should my my engineers like no no don't go there. You don't know the names of these things, and it's true I don't. But they were they were the beings that were on the planet that was covered with the, with ocean. And uh, they created the clone army. And when I first saw that character, because uh, they met uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up because he finds out that there's this secret army of clone warriors that have been developed on this planet by a by a uh, a rogue uh, master Jedi or Jedi master, and so he goes to figure out what in the world's going on. And whatever that character is. That's the way I picture the serpent looking before God made a physical change to his creation. And he made the physical change of the creation in order to to make a point. And he made the point that this beautiful creature that was once the chief of all creatures is now going to be below all creatures and one that crawls on its belly and will he he literally shifted the physiology of how this animal ate and and walked walked and ate the way it lived and breathed. And we all know that serpents are that way. Now they use their tongue, they 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 have you know amazing sensitivity to what's going on, and they do. They eat the dust. They they feel the vibrations, and they eat the dust, and it it indicates you know for them where to go and what's going on around them, which is fascinating. But he shifts this animal's position from chief of all animals to a ground-crawling, dust-eating animal. And remember now, dust at this point is not the dust that you and I know. Right? It's not. The dust of, of the garden is beautiful. It's probably all gold dust. It's awesome stuff. So that's going on. Uh, and if it was Lucifer, then he he dropped from chief, you know, again, chief animal to bottom bottom dweller. And then God pre- predicts the end of Luf- Lucifer's reign. He said, he said, there will be, I will put enmity between you and woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, prophetically, there's all kinds of stuff that's implied in this that, 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 an offspring of of woman, in other words, uh, a human, is going to destroy, crush the head of a snake. You might bite his heel. In other words, you you might wound him, but you will not you will not kill him. Which is fascinating when you when you add in the crucifixion, like there's all kinds of uh uh, uh alliteration. No. Ill, uh, Anyways, application. Yes, thank you. You can apply this very easily to the, you know, to the crucifixion. Like the the enemy thought he had killed uh, Jesus by striking his heel, but instead Jesus came out on top and crushed his head and destroyed the works of, of the of the devil. Absolutely. What I love about this is that what we see is that God is showing that Lucifer's reign is going to end coming through man whom Lucifer had tried to destroy, right? Man, mankind, when we are in the right connection, perfectly reflects heaven, the light of heaven, the love of heaven, the truth of heaven, the goodness of heaven, the, the power of heaven to restore, to resurrect, to renew, to create. All of that comes through the power of, of the, that, that we've been given access to, I mean, Jesus taught us very clearly, like the power of life and death are in your tongue. Like I've given you all authority to do the works I've done and more. There was a, there was a clearly an invitation throughout the life of Jesus for us to finally identify and connect with what we've been created to be. And Jesus, uh, God here is saying, listen, you're you you know, Satan, you think you're going to do this, but the The very being that you're trying to destroy because of who they are and what they represent and and the power and authority that I've given given to them, that very being is going to crush your plans. He's literally going to kill everything about you. So God has all faith, all confidence in his goodness to win. God speaks already of a full redemption of his his design. And, 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 you know, the enemy, the evil one, Lucifer, had to be standing there getting his discipline and hearing the confidence of creator God saying, you are going to be crushed by the very thing you tried to destroy. That had to be an amazing atmosphere to be a part of. <laughs> and, this, and this chief of, of animals, you know, drops to the ground and, and slithers away. And all the other creation is watching this going, wow, 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 look what happened. Look what happened to him. Like there is nothing that our God can't do. He is all-powerful and and he has great confidence that this is not the end that his creation is not destroyed that man is not without hope and his patience is seen in the fact that he didn't demand an immediate turn you know about face by Adam uh, well man and woman at that point he didn't demand behavioral adjustments he didn't come around the tree and say, listen, I gave you guys a chance to do this your way. Well, now you're going to do it my way. I'm going to force you to repent. I'm going to force you to get right with me again. I'm going to force you to retake your position that I originally gave you. No. He looked at, 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 at man and woman and he says, wow, you know, Shame exposure, disappointment. they're still there. Now you you know they, they could repent, you could repent, you could trust God and I will come and restore you. but he knows that sin, their choice has you know has disconnected them from him. and this is the first time and they're lost, they are lost, they're so far gone. They really think they can't come back. Trust me, that's that is such a lie of shame and guilt. That you can't reconnect. You're you're too far gone. And shame is what kept them from from repenting. Shame is what kept them from reconnecting to life. They covered themselves. Remember, they sewed together some fig leaves. They were like, "Well, we'll take care of this. We can't go. We can't go to God." Like, even before God, quote, arrived in the garden, they had access to him. They were they were always in constant, uh, you know, uh, frequency with heaven. It wasn't like God showed up, to, you know, on schedule. Well, we know God's going to show up. We better find them. They were always aware of his voice, always aware of his presence, always being filled with light and love and joy and peace and hope and creative uh, nature from the beginning, from God. So God understands all that's happening here right He knew that this would happen if they made this choice. He allowed them to make the choice because that's who he is. He knows that love can't exist without without a choice there but he also knows love is going to do what's right and they they operated out of selfishness they operated out of a, out of a false sense of <coughs> of wanting to be like him, which was fine. they were like him. The deception was that there was something within them that was missing, that they needed to do more in order to be like what they were, you know, to be more of their identity, and 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 that's the deception of sin. You do this, you'll get more. You'll be more happy. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll be more hopeful. You'll be more loving. And it's always a lie, and you always end up filled with shame. And what does shame say? Oh, you're too far gone. You can't connect to God. God doesn't like you. Sin separated you from God. You you better cover yourself. You better take care of yourself. You better hide from Him right now. So, with that in mind, these next few verses are not verses of judgment from God. They're verses of exposure. This is what this is what your choice is is doing, this is what your choice has opened you up to, this is what's going to happen. I do know that the translators, I believe they they looked at these words and they said, well, we can go one of two ways and they chose, not one of two, they usually had several options on these words, they chose the words that would make God look like he was doing this because in their in their passion to make sure that God got 100% of, of the glory they wanted to give God 100% of the credit for everything that sin was doing, and they thought if we give credit to anyone else, then we're taking glory from God. So they give God glory here, and I'm not making that up. That is legitimate. Uh, that came from you know leg- legitimate study of the way that uh, the Hebrews. They, their two main points were God has to get all the glory. And if something bad happens, it's because he either orchestrated it himself or he, in essence, uses Satan to get it done because he can't do bad things. So I believe that in their, in their passion to be true to what they believed to be true about God, they made it look like he did these things. But I don't see in the life of Jesus a picture of God that does these things. So if I go to Jesus, I say, "Wow, Jesus didn't do this to anybody even though they were they were bad people and he interacted with sinners all the time." So I don't think God did it either because I don't think he changed from one covenant to another. And that's another whole study, but if you study, you know, the Jewish tradition of covenants, the second covenant doesn't doesn't out overrun the first one, it enhances it. It it like doubles down and makes it even more connected. But but the way that a lot of Americans look at it, and a lot of evangelical uh, theologians will look at it, they say, well, the second covenant under Jesus destroys the first covenant, and therefore God's not filled with wrath anymore. That God looks like Jesus, and and this this is just something I don't agree with but i'm not you know i don't think you're going to hell if you if you don't agree with me i don't and and we <laughs> we can get along we can go to barbecues together we can go to the same church together i just i don't see it in the life of jesus so i don't believe it exists within god so when he says to the woman Verse 16, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit of the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from, from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. And Adam named, well, we'll we'll leave there. I'll I'll leave up there. Let's, Let's continue. So God speaks. I don't believe as a judge, but I believe as revelation. The personal pronouns, right? I believe were added by the translators because of their filters. Covered that before. I don't think God said I will I will make your plans your your plans. I will make your pains in childbearing very very severe. In the original that I wasn't there. He's just saying your your pains in childbearing are going to be very severe, very severe. I mean remember now before this I believe they they were giving birth and they were having sex and giving birth it was like it was it was painless they would hover over each other just like God hovered over the waters of the deep and they would they would make babies this is not the way it's going to be because of what you've opened yourself up to these these results are from fear and selfishness and disconnection from your life source. He's like, for you, man, you're. you're... <laughs> now, uh, wait a minute, what's my note? Uh, you had. Oh, yeah. He's like, your job is not effortless anymore as it has been. Like, this is a comparison thing. He was planting plants all the time. He was he was expanding the garden. If you believe that there were, that he was on a different spiritual plane, he was taking plants from from that spiritual plane of Eden, and he was replanting the planet Earth after after um, it had been destroyed by by Lucifer. He's like planting it, and the plants were coming up from the dirt, coming up from the dust of the ground. Different from the first creation that is mentioned in chapter one. Or, perhaps, if you believe that he was already on earth, he was expanding the garden. So he was he was taking the garden, you know, plants from the garden. He was taking them out into the, I wouldn't say wasteland of, of earth, but he was taking them out and he was expanding the garden, spreading the garden, uh, doing what God did, uh, expanding his kingdom, uh, revealing the goodness of God's creation to the earth. <clears throat> And in doing so, it was effortless. Whatever, whatever version you want in your head, it was effortless. Whether it was like magic and he would just kind of float things out, whether it was, uh, you know, some sort of uh, hovering that went on. I don't think he, uh, clearly. He never broke a sweat. He didn't have a shovel. He didn't have to dig things. He didn't. It didn't have any hard ground to worry about. He just was like. Here let's let's spread these seeds here and let's watch them grow. Let's let's take these plants from over here and plant some of them here and spread these out here. You know, this happens all the time in gardening. My wife, you know, we she has a she has a beautiful flower bed, but every year she looks at it and goes, "Oh, man, I got to thin I got to thin these out. I got to thin these out." So I I get to go out and make a bigger bigger garden somewhere or or start a new planting area for her so she can split up these daisies and these mums and these bee bombs and these we we, we've got yellow thing yellow flowers that grow you know whatever 12 feet high we don't even know what they are they're like weeds they got to be weeds but they're beautiful weeds and we like they just they just grow like we just keep spreading them out and they keep growing it's awesome and adam was a part of that but he when you know when we do it it's hard work or chopping things, digging things, making new holes, putting things over here. <clears throat> Wheelbarrows are out. Mulch has to be done. Uh, you know, watering has to occur. None of that was part of Adam's world. He's like, because of your selfishness, because of, of what you've done, it's not going to be effortless anymore. Your bodies are going to be impacted by not being connected to your life source anymore your internal life used to be in constant frequency with with me you're not going to have that this is this is not me doing this to you this is just what you've opened yourself up to and the earth is impacted by your in a in the, not in inability By your disconnection from creation and your creator, the earth is going to be impacted. The opposite, listen, the opposite is also true. When we become connected to our creator, when we get in line with the frequency of heaven, earth is impacted as well because truth is able to flow deeper. Light is able to come clearer. Creation responds. To people who are in tune with the Creator, and and I know that some of this is like uh, some of you are getting nervous. Bob's talking New Age. Bob's talking. Bob's talking weirdness. Listen, listen, listen. Not. A, oh. Let's not throw out some of this stuff just because of who might have discovered it, because they didn't come from your church, because whoever's talking about it didn't go to. The right seminary, because you know the stuff that they do at their church seems weird. Because you know they've whatever. What I've been to, I've been to a lot of churches. Trust me, I've seen a lot of a lot of stuff in the name of worship, and I'm not. I'm not even. I can't even say it's not worship. It's just, just a lot of it is stuff I don't do or would never do or can't even imagine doing. But for them, man, it connects them to creators. So it's like, all right, <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> oh, but man, it's it's funny to look at, like from the outside, just watch them and go, whoa, like what do they? Hmm, <laughs> what do they think they look like when they're doing that? Yes, I know. My engineer's like Bob. I know, I know. I'm 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 doing good. I'm doing good. So the Earth is going to be impacted as well. it'll produce thorns and thistles you will eat the plants of the field like it's it's still you're still gonna get resourced from the earth but it's also it's also going to respond to the fact that you're not in in full connection to the Creator and so the enemy is going to be able to bring in its influence on the earth. And in that influence, it will try to destroy the earth. Like, that's what the enemy does. This is, this is again, what do we see in this whole passage? The serpent, Lucifer, his whole goal was to destroy what God had created. That's still true did not leave his discipline session he did not leave his discipline session with the Creator thinking, oh crud I guess I'm just gonna crawl on the ground for all of eternity no he left going well I'm I'm coming after the rest of it I'm coming after creation then and yeah. You just said, I'm gonna bite his heel. I'm gonna bite his heel so hard that he won't be able to crush my head. Which, by the way, is not that easy to do just between you and me. <laughs> I had a, I had this thing, right? This this experience that that in my in the moment, this was the verse that came to mind that that you know, Christ was going to crush the head of the serpent. Hang on. <clears throat> in in that moment, I was—I was—we—we we were living in West Virginia. We had a split-level house, mid-mid entry house, uh, but the garage was on the ground floor or like in the basement, basically. But we we were able to drive up to it. So there was a bedroom downstairs and a bathroom and a you know, like a sitting area or whatever. So it was nice. And our boys had the downstairs bedroom. And that worked out great. They had their own bathroom, shower, little sitting area for play, you know, playing toys, et cetera, et cetera. So it was all great. Well, we were getting ready to leave. We had pulled out of the garage. I was uh, waiting for the boys, and I or one of them, anyways, and one of them came out in a complete panic. There's a snake! There's a snake! And I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Like, what's going on? And I I vividly remember I was wearing shorts and I was wearing like deck shoes with no socks and whatever, a shirt. And I go in and they're like, dad, there's a snake in the bathroom. So I go around the corner and I look in the bathroom and sure enough, there's this, I don't know, probably three, three and a half foot snake on the bathroom floor. And this is like terrifying to me, but I can't imagine how terrifying it was for my son who saw it in his bathroom. So in my firm belief that you could crush the head of a serpent because that's what the Bible said, I step into this, <laughs> into this bathroom <coughs> and I slam the heel of my foot on the top of this snake's head. And that snake, like, coiled up around my leg, obviously not the head of it, right? The rest of the body of the snake coils up around my leg, which completely freaked me out. I don't know what I thought it would do when I, when I stepped on its head. Like, I hadn't thought that. I clearly had not thought. But wrapping itself around my leg was not in my variables, and I completely panicked. I screamed. I, I jumped up and shook my leg like a like a lunatic until it let go, and then I ran out of the house, slammed the door, ran out of the house. Now the door was not airtight, right? There had to—I I remember it because of this incident. I, I remember that it was it was a pretty wide gap at the bottom. It was a linoleum floor, so there was no. It, anyways, you could clearly see under the under the door. Right, so we're outside and I'm like catching my breath and my wife's like, what just happened? And I'm explaining to her what happened and now she's like, well, did you get it? I was like, man, I crushed its head. So I I go back in around the corner, look under the door, I don't see anything. I open the door, I don't see anything. I look in the shower, I don't see anything. I look around the toilet, don't see anything. And internally I'm like, oh my gosh, where did this thing go? Like, I, I, I could not have slammed my foot down any harder. There was no, like, I, I really thought I was gonna crush the head of a serpent like Jesus. I was gonna be like Jesus. I don't know where this, I don't know where the snake is. I don't know where the snake is. Well, like my, my children, right, are in the car. They do not want to go in their bedroom. They do not want to go in the bathroom. They don't want to even be downstairs anymore. And I'm like, well, we need to go. I'm sure we were going to church because we were in church all the time. I think we have four meetings, official meetings a week, plus I work there. So I'm sure we were probably going to church. So we go to church, we we come back that night. Uh, The garage door opens and there is a snake curled up in the middle of the garage floor. You know, my headlights hit it. I'm pretty confident the boys were sleeping. because I like walk in really slow and the snake isn't moving. And I grabbed a little hatchet that I had in the garage and I grabbed it and I walked real slowly toward it and I chopped the head off of the snake. I made sure it was dead. And then I picked it up and I put it in in the trash can and we drove in and we put the kids to bed and they woke up in the morning and I had to go show them because they didn't want to go in the bathroom, right? Who would blame them? I didn't even, like, they, they, honestly, it freaked me out. And I went, I had to show them the dead snake in the in the garbage can outside. It's like, look, see, this is, de- daddy killed it last night. Look, see, here's the head, here's the body. <clears throat> Still, very traumatic, very, very difficult to, uh, to convince the kids to like take a shower, because we all we all wondered like how did it get in our house? None of us had an answer. I remember I was looking at every crack. I got the you know the crack filler. We had people come out to the house, friends of ours like from the church. Can you come take a look? Like we don't know how there's a snake that got in our house. The best we can determine is that because we leave the garage door open, and black snakes were very common in West Virginia, it it just crawled in and. And got it, you know, went under the door, which was very easy for it to do. But for a long time, you know, my poor kids, they thought it came up through the toilet or came up through the the drain of the of the shower. like it was it was a long that was that was enough not enough about me on with the story. So, yeah, <laughs> why why are we talking about this? because because he will crush the head of the serpent. anyways, the enemy's always out to destroy creation. So when you open yourself up when you, or shall I say when you when you get out of frequency with with creation then he's able to influence creation regardless of where that is and here it was going to be the ground and thorns and thistles were going to come up even though those were not the things that that man was going to be planting and by the sweat of your brow you will eat the fruit like it'll still provide for you but it's going to take a lot of work until ultimately you die and you will return to dust See, death is now introduced into, we were not created to die. Adam and Eve were never given an expiration date in creation until this moment. This was the first time man and woman was hearing that they weren't going to make it forever. Why? Because they had always been connected to forever. They were always a part of eternity. There was no thought of, well, someday we're not going to be on this planet. Which honestly leads to another whole aspect of theology that I think has been lost because most of theology goes back to the sin of man and not to creation, and that is the theology of death. Death was not a part of our original creation. I don't believe it's part of our identity. And I believe if anything is very clear about the life of Jesus, he came to destroy death. And to make it clear to all of creation, this thing called death is not a part of your life. And I don't believe that he was saying, you all get to go to heaven. I believe he's saying, there is there is an option here. You don't have to die. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible of people that lived hundreds of years. And even today, even today, there are stories of people living hundreds of years, and 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 I don't have time to go into all, those, all that, but honestly, if you're interested, check out my friend Tyler Johnson. He, he uh, lives out in Oregon. He's written uh, uh, some amazing books on, uh, one of them's called The Dead Shall Be Raised, just on the... Just on the stories throughout time, our history of people that have raised other people from the dead, multiple hundreds of people, death is not a part of our identity till this moment right here. This was the first time they'd heard that they would return to dust. So Adam named his wife Eve because she would would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side... Of the Garden of Eden cherubim with flaming swords and f- flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. All right, so Adam gives his wife a name, woman. It's the original name. and it was used by Jesus, right? Woman is the original name. So when he was talking, you you remember when he was on the cross and he looked at his mother and he's like, behold a woman. Behold your son. He was calling her woman, not because he didn't know who it was, not because it wasn't Mary, not because it... He was calling her woman because he was calling her back to her, her original identity. When he talks about the woman with the issue of blood, he was calling back the original identity. He, it wasn't like he didn't know her name. He's like, that's not who you are. You are a woman. This is something that Jesus did on purpose. It's something we should do. Not that, you know, I'm not saying forget your wife's name, just call her woman all the time, but there is something valuable about calling out the original identity that we were given in creation. And and that destiny that we have to impact creation And and even though Jesus, Jesus, God at this moment is has given all these things that are the results of the choices that they that the choice that they made, and the continued choices, despite all of that, they still didn't turn to him and say, What can we do to make things right? How can we get right with you, God? Despite all of that, they chose not to repent. Why? Because I believe shame, But that's one of the biggest things. Shame just had such a hold on them at this point. Shame makes you want to earn connection through punishment and behavior. The punishment culture is, is so addicting because it feeds selfishness and it feeds fear. It's addicting. Adam and Eve... I know, all right, they, we'll call them Adam and Eve now. Adam and Eve are standing there and they're hearing what, what's happening to them and they think, I deserve this, I deserve this, I deserve this, I deserve this. How many of us do the same thing? Something bad happens to us and we think, oh, I must have done something. I must have done something to make God really mad. I, I must. It's because I lusted in my heart. It's because I cheated. It's because... I didn't obey. It's because, and all that is is shame talking to us. And shame doesn't come from God. God never asked Adam and Eve to do anything in order to get right with Him. All they had to do, I guess, I know you just said you didn't have to do anything, is step into the invitation of conversation. Step into relationship again with God. Just reconnect to the frequency of heaven. They didn't do it. And the punishment culture has existed since this time because at some level, Adam and Eve thought, I deserve this. I need to put up with this for whatever time necessary in order to ultimately get right with God again. Fear and selfishness are fed through shame. So in love, God covers them and God protects them. He kills a couple animals and he covers them in skins that will last way longer than a couple fig leaves. I'm guessing that these that these, you know, the clothing he made had to be gorgeous clothing. Not some rough nasty thing. I bet you they they were tailor-made suits for working, tailor-made suits for being out in essence exposed to the sun, which is Never was a problem before because they their skin was translucent and reflected the sun. They were protected, they were loved. And even in that, Jesus they they, they you know they, they they didn't turn to him. We see nothing here that, that indicates the thankfulness or interaction. And then <laughs> And he's like, all right, well, I can't have you staying here. Not in this condition. What? Why didn't they just say, well, let's get in the right condition. We'd really like to stay. No, guilt, shame, selfishness. This was all starting to grow within them. And they did not and would not acknowledge it or try to make things right. He's like, because, you know, now you eat of the tree of life, which they probably had done many times you're gonna to continue to live forever. Why? Because that's your original design. That was what we were designed to do, was live forever. So I'm gonna to have to banish you from the garden uh, to work the ground from which you were taken. I'm gonna send you back to earth. Uh, that's where you're gonna to have to go live. And he put them out of that place on the east side of the Garden of Eden. And there, the cherubim with the flashing swords back and forth to guard the tree of life. I believe that's where the tree of life is. It's on another spiritual plane. Now, I do know, I do know, I mentioned it, I think, one, two podcasts ago. I do know archaeologists believe they found the Garden of Eden here on earth. And it, you know, it's an amazing story. It's not the Garden of Eden now. It's just a desert. But at one point, it was very lush. And you can find... Seeds and, and indications of, of plants that are unique and lush and amazing, and all of that could be true. It could all have happened right here on Earth, and maybe there are a couple cherubim somewhere, on, uh, and they they're hidden because they're on a different spiritual plane. But if you tried to enter into the actual garden and got anywhere close to the tree of life, you wouldn't make it. Maybe the, I may I don't I don't know, and I'm okay with that. Because this is really a story about the love of God and the goodness of God and His confidence in that goodness and His constant invitation for connection, reconnection, restoration to the to the identity and destiny that we were originally created with, to to for us to connect to the love and joy and peace and light and truth and frequency of of the creation of the beginning of heaven to repent of the choice that we've made, to do the self-reflection needed, to understand that God is not ashamed of us. God is not afraid of us. God is not separated from us. He is asking us questions in order to invite us into relationship with him, and that's who our God is. He is that good. And we will continue to see how good he is through this entire book, of which we will start chapter four next time on The Epic Narrative. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob thoughts. All right, here are my thoughts after episode nine, An amazing episode, don't you think? <laughs> of course I think. Why? Because it's my episode. But we are currently uh, down here in Florida, those of you that are keeping track of our of our journey, still at our friend's house who they just are amazing, drop dead, amazing hosts. And uh, yeah, here we are. So here are my thoughts regarding this episode. First thing, early on in the episode, I mentioned this idea of leaving church um, because of bad theologies that you might be encountering. And I said it flippantly. I don't want to be flippant about it. People, it, it takes a lot of effort to leave a church. I get that. Uh, people love their churches and oftentimes they love it for more than, than the theology, right? They usually love it because of the people that are that are there or the memories they have there or the you know the programs that that are offered there and and it's as as a as a preacher I just know it's actually disconcerting how many people are actually actually care what the preacher has to say because they're there for other reasons <laughs> but in in our in our in our deepest darkest places we know not everybody's there to hear us preach but that being said sometimes it is actually healthier to leave a church and I uh, I would say some of those things would be, would be in the realm of uh, the belittling and and uh, hurtful things that can be said about people who don't agree with your theology. That's not a, that's just not a good group of people you want to be around. Where everyone else is is in essence verbally abused for not being right or not being as good or not being as pure or not behaving correctly. Like that's just that's just a bad form of, we'll say, uh, religious mindsets. And the other one, I, I, another one I, sh- I would say is in the subjugation of of females. I just think that there is no room for that in Scripture. I do understand where they pull it out of, but there's just no room for it. And there's a lot of women... Who are brilliant, wise, talented, gifted leaders, who are subjugated because of the hierarchical mindsets of a lot of theologies, and not just Christian ones. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of religious mindset that that pushes down the uh, influence and and impact of females, and I think that that uh, there's just no need to be there for that. You got other options, so. I just uh if you decide to leave a church, I would do so with honor. You don't want to blow things up, burn bridges. It's a relational uh departure. It can almost feel like a divorce at times. So just be really uh gentle. If you if you feel comfortable, I'd I'd have an official meeting, not just uh not just send an email. But just say, "Hey, you know, we're just not what what we're getting here isn't enough, or what i what i you know my growth, my trajectory, my journey with Jesus is taking me somewhere else, and that's okay. most preachers should be okay with that now some won't be, and those probably are a reason not to meet with them you just kinda just kind of disappear anyways all right another another thing during during the episode I touched on was um the idea that I think. Translators have choices, and translators influence the um, the way Scripture comes out looking. And it was in context we were talking about the fact that it looks like God judges Adam and Eve. It's say, you know, the the way the wording is is put in English uh, makes it look like God decides, "Hey, you're out of the garden. Hey, you're gonna have pain in childbirth. Hey." You're gonna toil and sweat in order to pull things out of the ground. You're gonna have thorns and thistles, and I think that's where mosquitoes came from as well. We we just kind of push all this on God because that's that's what it says. And this is where uh, I believe culture and understanding of 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 culture, uh, the culture that wrote it, I think is important. Um, and within the culture, there was there was this mindset that said. If we don't give God credit for one hundred percent of everything that happens, and somehow we're taking glory from His name. And uh, in doing so, they they had choices. When it comes to translating words, you have choices. you ha- you have nuances that you can choose from when you translate from one from one language to another, and they chose nuances of the words that would put the credit on God. and I don't think I don't think God does that because I don't think God has that in heaven. He doesn't have. Uh, bad things to give out to people. So for him to do so uh, goes counter to everything that we've already learned about creation, that it's from this place called the beginning, this place of light, this place of power, this place of of uh, love and hope and joy. And then all of a sudden we're saying that same being is now going to judge and curse his creation. I, I don't think he can do that. I don't. He can restore it, but as we look through the episode, if you remember, uh, it was there's no indication that Adam and Eve did anything to restore their their connection to God. Now, why they chose to do that, I don't know. Uh, I, I specifically, I think there's a thousands reasons not to. I think a lot of us go through those same reasons when we feel uh, that we've done something that somehow God might be disappointed in, but he's not. But we we think it. Right, and it's with uh, and, and because of our thoughts, in essence, the lies that we have in there about God, um, we we project on Him uh, activities that are the results of our choices, and He didn't really have anything to do with it. And Adam and Eve, I think, did the same thing. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that again uh, because I think it's important. It's honestly one of the core core reasons why I do the epic narrative is because. I want people to know that there is a way to look at Scripture legitimately without without going pie-in-the-sky, um, uh, Pollyanna mindset. You can legitimately look at Scripture and see God is good through the whole thing. The whole thing. And we'll continue to look at that, that direction. And then uh, the last thing uh, I wanted to touch on, uh, reiterate, had some thoughts on, was that idea that I think Adam and Eve received what they heard from God, right? God has got a a revelation. He takes what's in the dark and he puts it in the light. And he took what they had done, the results of what they'd done, and he brought light to it. He showed them what what was going to happen. And they still chose to not connect to him. And in doing so, I think they received what God had said in Revelation. I think they received it as as punishment from him. And uh, and again, a lot of us do that same thing. We look at something evil that's occurred in us, in our lives. We look at something bad that's occurred in our lives. We look at something physically that's gone wrong in our lives, and we receive it as from God, and then and then we, we don't know what to do, because now we think, well, he must be mad. Maybe I have to make things right. Maybe, you know, I have to fast for 40 days. Um, you know, we, I have to... Whatever uh, the list goes on and on of things that people have done in order to try and make themselves feel right before God so that he'll finally bless them again and and when we look at it through the eyes that I think we should, we see that God provided covering, God provided- pr- protection, God provided a way out, and they received all those things as punishment because of their perspective because they they refused to get into relationship with God again and decided to go out on their own so they they received what he did as punishment and a lot of us do the same thing God steps into a bad circumstance and he blesses us with things that we need in order to in order to walk through those bad circumstances well and we look at it and think oh see God's against us he's not for us and that's never true he's always for you he's never against you and that's the truth. So uh, those are my current uh, no, current thoughts. Those are my thoughts regarding this uh, particular episode. Just want to hit on those things again. I hope you guys are having a fabulous day. As always, thank you for listening to The Epic Narrative. If you've never went to, went to my Facebook page called Bob Thoughts, go ahead and check it out. There's I think that there's a lot of fun little things to uh, to listen to. Some of them are three minutes long. Some of them are 10 minutes long. But um, I, I think you'll enjoy it and I'm also on TikTok if you want to look me up there uh, called the Bob Switzer on TikTok and uh, there's some fun things there too and they're only a minute long so what if? have yourself a fabulous day and I look forward to hearing from you soon